Hello and welcome back to Black Exposure Podcast, formerly with that said. If you've been here for a while, then you know I originally started my podcast because I was looking for a way to change my situation in corporate America. I was tired of being robbed of my intellectual property, tired of hitting the glass ceiling, and I was really frustrated with the status quo. I hope that by sharing my journey and my success, that I would influence change at a greater scale. And while I do still want to influence change for black professionals, there is a more pressing issue on our hands. And that issue is closing the wealth gap. Because of this, I rebranded my podcast to focus on doing just that. I truly believe that you are either contributing, sharing, engaging, or sitting on the sidelines. If you found yourself sitting on the sidelines, This podcast is an opportunity for you to get up off the bench and join the conversation. On this podcast, I'll give voice to all black professionals, black entrepreneurs, black parents, and black children. And together, we can share in our journey, our struggles, and our triumphs. Now let's get into the conversation. Fantastic. So I'm really excited to have you on. Um, I want to kind of keep this conversation really just an opportunity for my audience to get to know you, get to know what you do as a a black woman who is really in the industry that you don't see a lot of black women being pioneers in. So I'm really, really excited to share your story, just like you said. Um, talk a little bit more about what you do. Absolutely. And then uh, we'll see where the conversation takes us. I used to send questions ahead of time. Don't even do it. It's fine. Things where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let the conversation go where it flows. Who knows? We may end up going to church on this call. Who exactly. Knows? Exactly. <laughs> and that's what I tell people all the time. Um, you know, and I'm pretty, I think, maybe I talk too much, girl. But I'm pretty easy, so... Um, yeah, it's whatever, nothing, you know, you can ask, you know, hard questions, you know, any, you know, I don't care about getting into racial questions. Like none of that's a problem for me. Like, if oh, you have fan- a question, fantastic. you know what I mean? Cause that's annoying. I'm black. Okay. So <laughs> Monday through Friday and twice okay, on Sunday. So we're not going <laughs> to do that. Right. We're, we're not going to talk about, you know, black lives matter. Right. It's too much for my audience. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right so i'll go ahead and kick sure. us off but let me before i do let me put my phone on do not disturb are you able to put oh, your you phone on what? do not disturb mm-hmm. lord have mercy hold on because jesus knows he's the reason for the season and somebody's <laughs> gonna call me <laughs> let me see lord okay sorry i know i can i'm just sometimes slow okay here we go yep there i got it all right, off we go. So hello, everybody, and welcome back to Black Exposure Podcast. Today, I am unbelievably excited to have someone who I have been low-key stalking on LinkedIn, uh, Miss Courtney Herring, who is everything. I mean, she's a mogul in her right. She runs several different businesses, but the one that I'm most, most, most excited to talk to her about is something that's so pressing, so close to where we are in our country today with uh, COVID-19, 
also known as coronavirus. Coronavirus! Um, she works with medical practices. And this this conversation, I hope, will give my audience the opportunity to just really see the role that Black women plays in helping to transform the medical space. Yes. And I'll turn it over to Courtney to introduce herself. Courtney? Yes. Well, thank you, first of all, you know, to have me on your podcast. Um, I am actually also excited to be here today and, and share my story, my journey, and whatever else, you know, comes out of this, obviously, conversation. Uh, so I am Courtney Herring. I have several businesses. I am the co-founder of MedSnake Media. I am the CEO of Heron River, and we'll get into, you know, basically what those are. And also, I have started Pharaoh's Telehealth, which is a mental health tele telehealth program for veterans. Uh, the first two are obviously, um, you know, um, healthcare driven. Um, and both of those uh, different companies, what we do is we are able to market for, for healthcare. Um, we are able to build healthcare practices. We have been involved in four geriatric psych hospitals built from the ground up, uh, we can basically create whatever practice, uh, medical practice anyone um, definitely would like. Uh, the biggest thing that I um, strive to do, especially obviously in our community, um, as African Americans, Black people, whatever you want to say, Black and Brown, uh, a lot of times uh, we are working um, for different corporations and don't realize that we can have our own one businesses and also medical practices or behavioral health practices. So that's really what I, uh, you know, kind of envisioned was, was to create um, a way, you know, for us to be able to get into the healthcare field basically on our own and entrepreneur. Yeah, and where were you when you had that sort of fire come upon you? And, you know, first, well, let me back up some. Sure. First, have you ever worked in corporate America? Um, just to kind of give the audience a background or what we deem, quote unquote. And then talk to us a little bit about that moment of where you were mentally and actually physically when you decided to pursue entrepreneurship. Absolutely. So this kind of goes way back, and I'll, I'll be honest. So I went uh, to the University of Dayton. I studied, um, you know, sociology and psychology, uh, and I loved it. I graduated and I started working basically in the mental health field uh, with group homes with our youth. Um, it started there, and I'll just be honest. I'm the one that's like, wait a minute, that's not right. Like, wait a minute, that policy, hold on, you know, wait a minute, that's, you know, I, and I ask a lot of questions. Um, what has basically, you know, transpired in my life is everything that I've done so far from um, graduating from um, Dayton, I basically have, have transformed, you know, my life. Everything has been a lesson. So from, you know, group home saying, you know, what's going on with this policy? I don't really understand it. You know, why are we doing this? I then started auditing for children and youth cases uh, for the Department of Health in Pennsylvania after that. 
and I was looking at, you know, just different cases of mostly, you know, young African-American youth that are voluntarily either given to the state or involuntary. So I was the one that had to make sure that all the paperwork was correct. So I also had questions about that. Uh, last and foremost, when I was, you know, deep into my 30s, about 35, I, I worked with uh, crisis units, right? Going out, making sure that people are um, deemed appropriate, right, to be in the community if they're having some psych- psychi- psychiatric, you know, kind of breakdown or whatever, what, what have you. Again, questions arise. During this whole time of, you know, basically 15 years, What occurred to me finally at 36 years old was I'm having these questions and I'm asking other people to change it when really I can be Mm. the change agent, right? Mm. Mm. So that's basically, you know, what happened to me over and over again. I would go to jobs. I could stay there probably for a year or two years and I would be bored or I just didn't you know, I didn't fit in. I did things to me that was morally right, not always what was policy right, right? Um, So it was really difficult for me. And there's there's so much red tape just in mental health and also just healthcare. Um, The catalyst to really throwing me into entrepreneurship, and I really believe this was God saying, lady, if you don't start listening, because I've been talking to you for 15 years, um, you know, you really got to get out there. So I did have um, my son in 2016. He was diagnosed with liver disease. They didn't know what was going on with him. So for two years, what happened was I lost my job. I lost almost everything. During that time was when I had a space and a drive to say, you know, Every job that I have been applying to while my son is in and out of hospitals is asking me to either choose my son or a job. And I refused to do that. So I said, you know what, why don't I make my own reality and continue to help people and serve the community? And this is why I am here. Oh my goodness. Like you just gave us so many gems and that like that was a that was packed. So I am, you know, I got a little bit of chills because I think you touched on something that is so, so important for um, Black people to hear, which is um, oftentimes we find ourselves in corporate or professional spaces and we can see the problems. Like some, some people are natural problem solvers. They're natural change agents, to use your words. Um, and, and they're met with resistance right. by the system, yes. right? Um, and so for oftentimes people who find themselves in that space, they will have two options. Like you said, you could get bored, but sometimes that boredom could lead to frustration. It could lead to you being not doing well at your job. It could lead to you being terminated. Yes. And this whole time, you could have this perception of yourself that you're a poor employee, but right. really in reality, you're just you're just stuck, right? right? So I think you hit on something so, so important, which is if you find yourself in a situation professionally where you're like, this is not it. Like, don't feel afraid to start your own. So like, what would you say was your biggest challenge? If you had one, right? Cause you talked about your son having some health issues. Um, you know, how did you balance that with entrepreneurship? Like that seems, seems kind of tough. So it was tough and I'm not gonna say it wasn't. Um, I will tell you that for me, those were some very, very dark times. 
Um, one of the things that I continue to say, you know, to women and men, obviously we all know that when we have children naturally or, you know, we are helping out, right? That mm-hmm. is just a challenge in of itself, especially if it's your first, right? You don't know what and goodness is going on right so um but you know you want to be with that child you want to cultivate that child you want that child to be as successful as they possibly can be and the only way to do that um in my opinion is to be around them right and you know i just saw myself um i i just read a book i've been reading a lot of books and and um it's 10 pillars uh of wealth Oh, wait, drop those books. Okay. Oh, I have a lot of books lately. So, (laughs) 10 Pillars of Wealth. What I loved about this book was he called people that are in traffic, right? You're fighting to get traffic, you're fighting to get your job, and you're a traffic fighter. Like, Mm -hmm. that is really what you're doing, right? You're Mm -hmm. in the car for four hours, especially if you're in an ATL, right? Before COVID. You were in your car all the time. And, you know, the biggest thing that I I try to explain to people is if it, you know, I I might sound like an OJ case, but if it doesn't fit, right? You must quit. You must quit. (laughs) It's time to go. Because, you know, we as people of, you know, color, um, we are extraordinary. We are extraordinary because we are survivors. Um, We have cut those coupons, right? We have seen Mm. COVID-19 before. So, you know, and that's just, you know, possibly daily life for us, right? Where we don't have enough or we don't have the credit to get this or we don't have something. We don't have the opportunity. Um, So we have to make that opportunity because no one else is going to make that for us. And Mm -hmm. again, let's go to Madam C.J. Walker, y'all. I mean, Mm -hmm. she made that. She did it. And and she did it. You're absolutely right. I think, you know, it absolutely 150% can can be done. And I think it's it's just a matter of getting over that sense of fear. Mm -hmm. Because I'm actually reading... um, 50 cents book right now uh hustle hustle harder not hustle harder and smarter Mm -hmm. um but i I, the name is escaping me right now but i'm only in one chapter and i just started it and that's literally how he kicks off the the book talking about fear and how uh fear makes people comfortable because you don't want to approach it so you just stay stuck for the rest of your life and i think um for you like overcoming that fear and saying you know what I've been in this industry for I don't know 10 Mm -hmm. 15 years and I'm gonna start my own business like what was the first step for you did you have to assemble a team like did you have contacts in the medical field like what do you think gave you that advantage to actually make it successful well the first thing you know to even make it successful is exactly what you said to get over the fear and there is a quote and I'm probably gonna botch it but um courage um you know is the way oh you know I what know i'm what talking, talking about, about. Courage yes yes it's like it's getting courage through the here. fear right we know mm-hmm. that the fear mm-hmm. is only temporary right it is not forever so if you can blast through that fear and that you know possible issue you know it's all in your in your head right everything you know is really in your head and, and a lot of times 
this is how I work. Even though I haven't seen people do that because I don't come from an entrepreneur background with like most of my family members, it doesn't mean that I can't do it. Um, and that's just kind of how I breaking am. the generational curse, right. right? Not that it's a curse, curse, but you know, right? What I mean. Absolutely, like, yeah, absolutely. You know, the world is different now, um, but it is somewhat, obviously, you know, the same. We won't get into all of that yet, but um, I that was my first thing was to push through that fear and say, you know what, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to see what can I do that is not only profitable, but still helps people because I really am a people person and I don't want to do something that doesn't have to do with people. So obviously I wouldn't be, you know, kind of building computers, right? I still have to be around people. Um, I did know a couple of people obviously in the healthcare field due to uh, me being in the mental health field so I did start working for, in the beginning, a small practice in Raleigh, North Carolina, Suboxone Clinic. And that really started paving the way, you know, for me because I, I got to see exactly the insides of a practice. Um, and that was also with another African-American um, woman who is a MD, Dr. Battle. Uh, Look at that. Yes. You we got to pick each That's other right. up. Yes, right. I love it. Um, I actually, in my day job, when I'm not podcasting, which, um, I actually work with business owners as well, medical practices included. So I'm on the financial side and I help them get loans. I help them get lines of credit. I help them, um, you know, make sure that their financial wheelhouses are in order, for lack of better words. But I think where you and I kind of coincide in some things that I've observed when dealing with medical practices is a lot of them need what's called a business process review. Correct. So I, when I imagine what you do, when I was looking at your website and kind of reading through your bio, you kind of go in and say, these are all the areas of weakness yes. that you have, and here's some enhancements I can put into place. Correct. And so is that sort of like, what's your, like, how do you get doctors, right? Because mm -hmm. as a black woman, I imagine, like, you you sound incredibly intelligent. So I, I know, you know, <laughs> you show up, right? But, you know, there's still that um, unconscious bias oh, that I imagine some of them still have because I face it all the time. Absolutely. So what do you, you know, what is it that you do to get them to see, listen, I really do provide value or, you know, what are your receipts, right? For lack of better words. Right. So, you know, it, it, it is tough, right? Because, you know, definitely, again, African-American, black, brown, you know, person of color. Um, a lot of times when we go anywhere, and this is for entrepreneurship, like what I'm doing, and even when we are, you know, going for a job, let's say, we have to give receipts, right? It's, 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 we can't just show up and, you know, um, you know, just kind of casually interview or explain. Um, so receipts are very, very important. And the way that I made sure that I got receipts was by um, basically putting my triumphs, I, I guess, in some type of uh, measurable way where I could show measurable outcomes, right? A mm -hmm. lot of people like data. And even though data is sometimes hard to come by, it's really not. What I tried to do in the beginning, right, when I had never really done a lot of this stuff, you know, on my own, 
I had to break down my years of experience and explain what I have done. We have so many transferable skills. Um, so I have built a practice before. If you're in a practice, right, and it's running, that's what you're doing, right? You might not have started in the beginning, but all of those things that you are doing even currently, um, that continues to cultivate, cultivate the practice and, you know, continue to lead, you know, on in the future. Um, the other thing was, I again, reading is very, very important. Um, when you are able to, um, obviously, you know, say certain things, like, um, let's say I'm, I'm pitching to a hospital, right? And I will do a whole bunch of research. What type of vocabulary are they using? If you are not using their vocabulary, then they cannot understand. Therefore, you have no idea what you're talking about. Is that true? Mm -hmm. No. But we also have to be chameleons, right? Because all of our you know industries whether it's healthcare whether it's any type of industry other than that they have their own way of talking and communicating therefore that's what we have to do whenever we are pitching to anyone so i guess i'll give you three things one is definitely you know research always get like three key things that are really important so to a hospital, obviously, it's revenue. It's also um, patient care, right, outcomes, and then reviews. Um, those are very, you know, important because those definitely um, create um, your revenue, right? It'll either increase it or it'll decrease it um, due to the amount of stars that you have for Medicare. We won't get into all of that, but it's it's pretty, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's important, right? Um and reviews are interesting because I think also a lot of people don't always look at reviews before they choose their medical provider. So everyone, please do that. Um, reviews are usually real. Uh, so, so make sure you're going to the right hospital, the right provider. And then I would also say, um, you know, again, the fear, right? I walked into a hospital that bills $1.7 million. They're, they were in Montgomery, Alabama. Everybody knows about that, okay? I am mm -hmm. walking in there with a two African-American women, right? And one Spanish Cuban, which is Shanae. We looked completely out of place. And one of the main things was, you know, they kept asking us, first of all, almost how old we are, right? But you know, black don't mm -hmm. crack, y'all. So I am in my 40s. <laughs> so I was like, I, well, I must, you know, okay now. Um, but it was very interesting during that even interview and we did get the, um, we did get that uh, contract. But the, the thing about that was, again, it was like, Proving who are you and what have you done? Mm-hmm. And why should we exactly. believe you? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what, it, you know, because I've had medical practices on my podcast before I actually had a, a plastic surgeon on probably maybe four, three or four episodes okay. ago. And so one of the things that I kind of want to speak to directly is what are some of the common 
um, areas of opportunity you see for medical practices as it relates to compliance mm-hmm. with HIPAA, as it relates to electronic medical yes. records, like mm-hmm. coding, like because you lose a lot of money sure if do. you don't code correctly. Yes. And so I kind of want to talk about sure. that a little bit, you know, for my, you know, because I have a little doctor I base now. They're doctors. up in here. <laughs> His episode, his episode kind of went viral. So, so I want to make sure all of them know where to find no you. No problem. So, you know, again, the biggest thing, and I'll just kind of drop some jewels for you. So, um, I know that all of our doctors, you know, have a have a lot going on. So, let's make sure that um, your people, meaning your office manager, whoever that you trust, that's able to. Um, really just comprehend, you know, some things that CMS is dropping. Right now, I'll drop you a little jewel. CMS now has a CPT code um, for COVID supplies that you might have had to purchase, right, to make sure that your environment is safe. So that's one that's really big. And um, I've talked to so many people and they don't even know about that. So check that out. Um, the other thing that's uh, pretty hot right now is remote patient monitoring. Um, right now, my um, company, Heron River, is going into um, about 10 different senior cares, and we are working with them to implement a remote patient monitoring um, program, but also that private practice doctor can do that as well. Um, I believe if you have about 50 patients and it's, uh, you know, just kind of average of, you know, monthly, that's $72,000 extra in your pocket. So again, um, coding, billing, um, very important. Um, I want all of everybody, just everyone in the health, in the healthcare field, stop letting your mom or your sister bill for you. Okay. I'm going to need y'all to seriously, (laughs) um, just invest in someone who really knows what's happening. Number one, that's going to keep you away from fines. You know, one of the biggest, biggest areas is, you know, just in compliance, right? Is the way you're coding. And the way that you're, you know, timely filing, right? Billing out as as quickly as possible. And then even, you know, doctors, um, all of your um, documentation, right? Just making sure that it's up to par so that if you ever do have an audit or somebody wants to see a chart, you know that you've done the best you can. And that really, truly is um, like a 99205, right? If that's a new person, new Mm -hmm. patient. Um, the other thing is, um, I would say, um, customer service is huge, right? Explain to people what you're doing, especially with COVID-19. I, I went to uh, a pediatric dentist uh, this week for my son, and they really explained to me, hey, wait in your car. Please print this off if you cannot, right? There's so many things that are uncertain. And we know that you know Mm -hmm. what you're doing, right, when we get in there. But how are you getting us into your facility or practice, right? So really think of, you know, um, that type of customer service because then word of mouth is golden, right? I mean, that's the best Mm -hmm. way to get your clients. And those are people that will be with you um, forever. Um, The next thing I would definitely say uh, that sometimes, you know, we are missing is um, communication, follow-up, right? 
just because a patient leaves and doesn't say anything, um, someone needs to follow up with that patient. Hey, how was it for you mm-hmm. today? Even follow up after, you know, three days. That, again, makes sure that you don't have patient turnover, right? And then you're always continuously looking for new patients. Well, that's why. Because you didn't ask what happened. And something might have happened, and it might be such an easy fix, right? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, pay attention. And if you can't do that, then your staff has to be able to do that or you're always going to be looking for new patients. You shouldn't be looking for new patients. You know, I had a friend of mine um, actually um, left a longtime uh, gynecologist of hers because of something which you just mentioned, the follow-up. You know, she she had been uh, mistakenly diagnosed with having... Um, uh, miscarriage or the, the embryo hadn't right. fully developed it but it but the embryo was fine and so the the, the gynecologist had given her this medication to take to terminate the pregnancy and she said she went home and she was like she was laying there and she was gonna take it but she was like in her spirit no. like god was like no don't do it right. go check again so she went back for a follow-up um, and asked for it demanded to have an ultrasound they did another ultrasound. Turns out her baby wow. was perfectly fine. So she would have inadvertently <laughs> terminated a perfectly healthy pregnancy. And this woman had delivered three of her kids before. So exactly. she was pretty loyal yeah. to this gynecologist. Um, and had the gynecologist simply Absolutely. call and apologize and said, you know what? We don't always get yeah. it right. You know, it's I, true. because it's true. Like, you don't always get it right right um and, and just own it right it's it's owning it and the, the gynecologist did not own it and she she ended up leaving somewhere she had been for years simply because of that and i think i think you you hit hit the nail on the head that like that patient care mm-hmm. that bedside manner that compassion is very 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 it important is. very um, and so do you partner at all with fintech companies? Because I was listening to you talk about yes. remote patient care and it got me to thinking, I'm like, wow, you should really be partnering with like IT companies because they're kind of like putting that technology together and they can kind of give you that gateway into some of these right. practices, especially as they convert over. So what are so, you doing? Yeah, that so I have um, started to partner with quite a few um, one is um, Viar. They are pretty cool. V a y y a r. They're based out of Israel, but what's super super like cool about them? Because y'all, I don't build stuff like this. But they can, you know, let's say you have a dementia patient, right? And then let's say that you know they have a lot of falls, right? They're more susceptible to falls. They have a sensor that is radio waves, right? And it'll be in your room and it can tell the nurse's station or whoever if a person is basically laying on the ground or has fallen, right? Yeah. So it's not a wow. camera, right? So that's not invasive. It's just radio waves. So with that, what's interesting is, see, a lot of people don't realize that why, yes, you guys are building these great things, right? IT, like you are building lasers, like it is super dope. But how cool would it be if you partnered with someone like us and we show you the way of how that can also be reimbursable for people to be able to pay for your product? And that's what mm, we're doing right now. I love it. So what are you most proud of, you know, 
professionally um, or so, you know, and it doesn't have to be recent. You know, what, when you look back at where you are today versus where you started, is there a memory or a moment that really stands out for you? Uh, my first memory what is and still is, first of all, for me to start this, um, mm. it was tough. Um, I will tell you this, a lot of times, you know, we talk about support systems and guess what, everyone, sometimes we don't have that. We have to be all that we have, right? Um, especially when, you know, my family is very supportive, but they don't understand entrepreneurship. So it's always get a job, get a job, get a job, right? And it's like, well, no, I don't want to do that, right? But, um, you know, love them to death, but you have to be able to stand on your own when you make this decision. Do it right, right? Mm -hmm. But also be kind, be respectful to those who think that it's not right, but you continue on your path no matter what. Stop being, you know, don't waver, right? Um, mm. And then I would say, you know, this year I brought on my first W-2 employee. Um, that was, yeah. Congratulations. That was so important to me. Um, I have a young um, executive director, uh, very talented young lady. Um, she is um, Mexican. We love her to death. And she's just has so much promise and she's determined to be the best. And it was just great to me to say, I have a W-2 employee and I'm giving somebody benefits, right? Um, oh, congratulations. That's amazing. I, I could only, it's very inspiring, you know, to, to come from losing everything, you know, that could defeat someone, you know, that could really just put you in a space mentally. And I didn't ask you, but like, did you seek oh, mental good. health support? Like during that time? I am so glad that you asked yeah. that. So there's one thing about me, everybody. I am completely open. I am not shamed for anything, you know, kind of, of my game, right? So yes. I know that's um, right. I did go through postpartum depression, okay, when I had my son and I was going through nothing but trauma with him, right? Trying to figure out what is going on. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was great was um, for my son was he went to Duke Medical and we had a great liver doctor and guess what? He is completely fine and completely normal and that happens, right? And they had to own that as well. That does happen, right? <laughs> Did you, what, what were some, because I know a lot of people may not know what, what um, pediatric liver sure. disease oh, looks yeah. like. If you feel comfortable. Yeah. Like what were some of the signs and symptoms that you noticed to make you. So the first thing about him was so interesting, right? And my son came out with a bang. So he also came out with, <laughs> um, it, I, I'll never forget it. I, I, I was sitting on the ball, you know, I was trying to do everything, right, y'all? And what happened was water broke, and then I'm in the surgical, you know, like place, right, to get a, a C-section. And by the way, my husband is is still sleeping. Like that's how quickly it happened. <laughs> 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 he came emergency C-section, um, so he came out, um, you know, ready to go, right, and 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 definitely give me more gray hairs than I did have. Uh, so what happened was, um, you know, as you're home, right, with your baby, um, men, women, whoever, um, a lot of times you might not notice that they're jaundiced because, see, you're looking at them all the time. So you don't notice that their eyes are yellow. Mm. You have to have somebody else see that. 
So I did seek the help of a doula. I did have her also postpartum. She came in and she's like, he looks a little jaundiced. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, I went to the pediatrician. And basically, we found out that his liver levels were a mess. Uh, for doctors, I will tell you that his alkaline phosphates were over 1,500. I believe they're supposed to only be like, I don't know, like, Lord, 50 to zero. I mean, it was crazy, okay? So what occurred was there's so many things that could be happening there. There's something called a biliary atresia, um, and we missed that mm -hmm. mark, right, for biliary atresia. That means that they do not have bile ducts, which means they normally have to go into surgery. Um, it's a whole issue. And then literally by five, they usually have to have a new liver, right? Um, so then um, my son first had a liver biopsy. Uh, that was scary, right? They saw uh, white blood cells all over his liver, right? So they thought it was leukemia. Okay, so I mean, I went through it, y'all. I went through it. And uh, <laughs> so they thought it was leukemia. I'll never forget, nine doctors came in. It was probably even residents, and they're talking to me about, like, chemotherapy for my child. And, you know, I was like, how do they even survive when they're under a year, right, with chemo? So rolled them in, we did bone marrow biopsy, and then we did spinal tap, and you know what? We walked out of there, right? So for two years, we kind of went through that, not surgeries, but basically what I'm saying is, um, I will tell you this, and I'll tell all of you this. Um, we have to also remember that African Americans, right, do not always go to the doctor, maybe as, as much as maybe Caucasians or other people of different descent. Therefore, in my theory, and I am not a medical person, but one God, obviously, you know, it, he's, he's nothing but, you know, um, a miracle. Um, he always does, you know, what needs to be done. Um, during that time, I did give my son back to God um, and told him whatever will be, will be, right? But I will still, you know, um, foster this child that I have right now because really he belongs to the Lord, right? So that's number one. Then number two, um, with liver disease, I mean, he really didn't have any symptoms. It was really, you know, his, his blood, right, was all over the place. And personally, I feel like because there's not a lot of data with us, right? It, it was different, mm -hmm. right? It was different. It was something we hadn't even seen before, yeah. but they have seen it, but it's very rare, right? So because of that, mm -hmm. I think I, my son has the liver kind of thing that is like maybe 1% is what they're saying, but I'm wondering if that's something that runs in African-American families. I, I, was, mm. I just thought it was interesting. And it's just not Correct. enough data to, to, to right. kind of make a case study of it. They've yeah. never seen any of that. So, mm. you know, that was uh, definitely one. So everyone, make sure that, you know, your child's eyes are clear, right? And that they're not lethargic or anything like that. And just, just you know, go to a really good pediatrician that really knows um, about the you know, just everything about your child, right? Not just the physical looks, yeah. you know, for us, right? For being jaundiced, when you're brown, it looks different. Yep, 
It does. You know, you don't even know how many times I've gone to Google certain conditions and yeah. put on black skin. Because when you Google, you know, let's say, for example, yeah. rhodiola, right? You Google rhodiola and you get a whole bunch of images no, and none not. of them look like your child. And so you're, and as a parent, that could be horrifying. You're, and then, so now it has to become this extra step. And I think you hit on something so important. Um, and that's us being responsible for our own right. physical health and like going to doctors of, you know, that's go to right. whatever doctor you feel is going to give you the best possible care. Like that I'm in support of because right. it is your life and those are your kids. But um, I do think that you pointed to something very important, which is we have to go to the doctor mm -hmm. more often. We have to be more vocal yes. about things that we face. And also mm -hmm. we have to be willing to challenge right. medical professionals that's when right. they don't give us the answers we're looking for. Because I think um, a lot right. of us get dismissed and like yeah. get you know get pushed away or that's get right. told oh no it's just a little rash or oh no right. give him a banana you know and you have to advocate for yourself you have to advocate for yourself um we're coming toward the close of our conversation well but before i go i do i always ask all of my guests this one question which is if you could go back and give some advice and i know you talked a lot about overcoming fear but if there's any other advice that you could give yourself if you could talk to courtney at 10 years old um what would you tell her about the life i would ahead say of um you know if you feel different um and that could be with anything you know basically go with it i did never fit in with certain rules it's not that i was breaking the law y'all but i i always questioned yeah. teachers like does that make sense like what do you you know even when i was in first grade i mean it was ridiculous um i was the one you know my mother was a social worker and i'd be like i don't think that that's right i was always outspoken i was also the person that you know, did petitions when I was in fifth grade. I mean, it was crazy, right? But everything that I'm doing is is going to set you up for success. Therefore, don't, I guess, cover it, oh, cover it up with a rock, right? Don't conform. Mm -hmm. When you conform, that's when you let your dream die. And I almost did because I thought there was something wrong with me, but this is really where I was supposed to be. Mm. Wow. You just gave me a most amazing title for this episode, which is when you conform, you let your dream die. And that is powerful. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and end the conversation. Absolutely. But thank you so much, Courtney, for your honesty, your transparency, for being a change agent for our community and for allowing yourself to come onto my podcast and be most, most, most authentic. So thank you again. All right. And thank you we'll so talk much. to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye.